I'm Megan. And I'm Natalie. And this is Body Literacy Babes. We're certified fertility awareness educators. And here in this podcast, we want you to join the conversation. So to anyone who's new, if you love the show, please take a minute to rate and or review our show on Apple Podcasts. Um, And if you want to submit a voice message to us, we would really, really love to hear from you guys. You can do that on the Anchor app. So to get started with this episode, how are you doing today, Nat? I'm doing well. It's Friday and I just spent the morning doing a little bit of uh, work and it's feeling, well, it's really hot where I am today. It's starting to feel like fall is kind of around the corner, which I'm really excited about personally. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to interview you today, Megan. (laughs) I'm excited for this episode. Um, How are you doing? I feel so honored to be today's guest on this (laughs) podcast. Um, (laughs) I'm actually doing really well today, honestly. Um, So to people who have listened to the podcast before, I, when we do our check-in, I usually mention some type of issue with my chronic pain. Um, but actually, it's been like pretty good for the last two or three days. Um, and it's amazing how much like that small of an amount of time of like a break from it can really help to like improve my mood. So I've been doing pretty well. Um, and yeah, it's Friday. I feel like this is finally the first weekend in many weeks that I can actually like not work because for the past few weeks with like scheduling just being weird and like the power outage and stuff every my whole schedule was just like up in the air and I never felt like I could just be like all right guys I'm taking a break now um but I am this weekend you know I posted my Instagram stories last night about how I'm out of the office as I as I usually do um so yeah I'm excited for just resting this weekend um, and hopefully continuing to enjoy a few days with diminished uh, pain. <laughs> um, so should we kind of get into the core or the, the topic for today? I was about to say course topic, but it's yeah, a podcast on a course. talk about the course topic today. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to chat about, so I guess last time, Megan, you or last episode, you went into a little bit of detail about kind of what's been going on in your life. And we really wanted to touch on um, charting with chronic pain and charting with the disability. Um, and who better to walk us through that than you, Megan. Um, and then I think it will hopefully be a good kind of insight into maybe some of the things that you struggle with, because I feel like since we've started this podcast, I've really (laughs) gained a lot of respect for you being able to do the work you do and also um, experiencing chronic pain. I think like, I think it's something that like you can kind of almost hide and like not tell people about, but it's such a big part of your life. Um, And so, yeah, we're just going to chat about kind of how you manage it, how it plays a part into charting, um, 
I think you've thought of like some of the questions that people maybe ask you frequently that we'll kind of Mm -hmm. go through and talk about. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad also that you mentioned about like how sometimes it can be something that's easy to, to kind of hide, hide because like, um, it's, it's true. It's kind of, I I don't know, I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know if I would like call it for myself a disability per se, but it's definitely a chronic thing. And sometimes, sometimes I guess it does feel like a disability, but the reason I'm using that word is because there's a lot of people out there who do have these like invisible disabilities where you would look at them and not know um, what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. That's super, super common. And um, I've had this current issue going on since like January and I wasn't really talking about it for a long time, I guess, publicly. Like I was with friends and stuff, but I just didn't want to make a big deal out of it, I guess. Um, but then the longer it's continued, the more I'm like, okay, no, I do need to talk about this. I think it's helpful, not only for me, but it's also helpful, like, for other people just to kind of hear about, like, how this manifests, what might be helpful for them and stuff. Um, so it does just feel good to talk about it. And I'm excited too today. Yeah, I think it's really amazing that you are being open about it. Um, And I think you're right. I think it helps others um, who might be in the same situation not feel as alone. And then I think there's also a part of it, and I think you've done this really well in like knowing what to share and like not sharing when you feel like that will add an extra burden um, Mm -hmm. onto what's going on. Yeah, so Um, true. So do you maybe want to just like give some context? Like you said that this current... Like, I guess maybe since the pandemic, have things kind of gotten worse? Or, like, where do you kind of pinpoint the time where things started to, like, be consistently harder? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was, I specifically remember it was, like, the end of January of 2020 because I remember going to Maine on a trip, like, mid-January, and it was, like, so fun. I felt great things are great. Um, And then when I got back, it was probably like a week or so after that, I started to just feel this like tension in my, in my neck, like the left part of my neck and like my upper left shoulder. And, you know, stuff like that kind of comes and goes. And like, and actually now that I go, now that I think back even more, if I backtrack, actually last September, I was like putting up my hair one day and I got this tweak in like the back of my left part of my neck. And at the time that was like really actually like painful, not just tense, but like painful. Um, And I rested for like three weeks and um, that kind of like went away, quote unquote. And I use quotes because like it didn't really go away. It just kind of like subsided for a while. And then in January was when the tension kind of like resurfaced in that same spot. And so for a long time, I was just like, oh yeah, it's just tension. Like I'm just stressed. I'm just going to like, you know, try and rest and stuff. And I just kept telling myself like, you know, I'll give it a few more days. I'll take, you know, a few aspirin here and there. 
to help it kind of diminish. And like the longer it went on, I just realized like, oh, this isn't just an ache that's going to like go away. Like I probably need to do something about this. Um, But then March happened and the COVID shutdown happened. And um, yeah, everything just went really off the rails for a lot of people, of course. Um, And suddenly there was so much stress, like, and it was just so much going on. Like I was stressed about work. I was stressed because Jesse and I were going to get married this October. And so we like, were wondering like, Hey, what's going to happen there? Um, and then we decided to move up our wedding, just to have a backyard wedding in April. So then that was super stressful. Like, who do we invite? Is it safe? I don't know. What's the risk level? And like, just every like few days, there's like this new, new, huge, like crisis. <laughs> and, uh, and also I couldn't go to physical therapy because like, like I had literally gone to like one appointment and then like a week later, the COVID shutdown happened. So I couldn't go to physical therapy. Um, cause I, I knew like, okay, I really need to get a handle on this, but I just lost access to physical therapy. Um, and then, yeah, it just, this whole time I've just kind of felt like I'm like treading water and kind of going back and forth between like tension and pain and feeling a little bit okay. And then back to tension and pain. So it's been tough to like, I I really, everything in me wants to trust my body and I want to trust the healing process and I want to feel better. Um, but it's hard because it's hard to do that when like it keeps kind of like coming back despite all the rest and the modifications. Um, so at this point I realized like it's been literally like, I think at this point right now, it's been like eight months. Um, and once I realized that it had been over six months, then I started to realize like, okay, this is like getting chronic now, I guess, <laughs> because I've, I've had like injuries before and stuff that I've, I've gone to physical therapy for. And usually I think at the most it's taken like a month or two to get better. Um, but yeah, not this time with everything going on. And I think for myself and many people, this is probably like the most stress that like people have been through in their lives and it's sustained. Like it, you, you don't know when it's going to be over. You don't know what, what new stressors are going to come up. Um, so it's tough, I think, to, to kind of heal in some respects. Um, so I also just want to briefly just like kind of define what is chronic pain, like what makes what makes it different from just like an, an ache or like, you know, a muscle pain or whatever. Um, so I actually found a definition and um, according to the internet, chronic pain is one of the most common reasons adults seek, seek medical care. It's been linked to restrictions in mobility and daily activities, dependence on opioids, anxiety and depression, and poor perceived health or reduced quality of life. Um, Population-based estimates of chronic pain among U.S. adults range from 11% to 40% of the population with considerable um, subgroup variation, um, which I think just means that um, people, you know, different subgroups experience it at much higher rates um, even than that. So, so yeah, um, 
I don't know what else to add there, but we can move on. <laughs> I remember I you I remember you posted recently about how um you were like um I can't remember the words that you said exactly, but basically you were like, does everybody live their lives pain free? Like not except for me, yeah. but it was like kind of along those lines, like do people realize like how much this like how oh what am I trying to say like how we're all just basically temporarily (laughs) able-bodied like Mm. you know what I mean like how incredibly fortunate we are when like we're not like I'm not in pain and that's not something that I think about all the time but when you are in pain that's like your world like that is impacting everything that you do and I think like a lot of people don't realize that like when we're able-bodied or when we're not in pain um we really could take that for granted and um so when you were talking I was just thinking about that how like like you can't like you're feeling like not able to trust your body or just like not knowing what's going to be a good day or what's going to be a bad day so like Mm -hmm. on your good days you're able to like really sink into that and be like today I'm feeling really good but like probably at the back of your mind you're like well I don't know like there's no rhyme or reason right like you're trying all these things and like so that's just like really really tough yeah I think what I had posted I was like are there what was I saying actually it was on Instagram story exactly the words I know the gist um I should just look up the story so I'm not misquoting (laughs) myself (laughs) hold on a second so I had said a lot of days I say to myself wow, are most people really just not in any pain most of the time? (laughs) And I was just saying, like, you know, and this was on a day when I was in pain, and I was just encouraging people, like, don't take your body for granted. Really take care of it and honor it and move it um, and know that, like, this is, like, your vessel in life to do what you need to do. Um, And I was thinking that because, like, I've I've – you know, apart from this neck injury, I've also had degenerative disc disease in my low back. And so I'm not new to dealing with pain. That's been going on for over, I think, how old am I now? 20. It's been going on for over like 13 years, I think. And so I felt early on in my life, like, okay, this is something that I'm going to have to like manage for the rest of my life. And yeah, some days I just think about that, like a lot of people out there they, you know, maybe they've, they've broken a bone or something, or they've twisted an ankle or something, but they've never experienced like either a recurring injury or just ongoing chronic pain. And yeah, it's a whole new challenge because it really can feel like it, it overtakes things. Um, and it's hard, um, to to allocate your energy like one of the biggest things that's frustrating for me is I often feel like I have all these ideas in my head for what I want to do with my business and how I'd love to travel and like the type of sex I want to have and like just all these different things and it's frustrating because it's like well I'd love to do that if I could sit and work at my computer for one hour or or two hours without that making the pain worse. Or, you know, I'd love to do that if it wouldn't make my neck hurt. Um, 
And so it's just frustrating to feel like really limited sometimes and you don't know how long it's going to last. Like, am I just stuck in this place in my business forever? <laughs> or like, am I going to be able to, to kind of move on from this? Um, and so those, those types of thoughts, I think, can have a really big impact on, on mindset, um, which can then impact, again, the, the physicality of it. Because, of course, that mind-body connection is really, really strong. Mm. Well, yeah, I was going to just ask, like, how, I mean, I don't think I really need to ask the how this, like, impacts your mental health. Because, like, I think it's just, like, it is that, like, hurdle, almost, of, of your mindset. Or, like, you don't know kind of how long it's going to last. And, like, there's things that you want to do. So maybe like what, maybe you can speak to like what helps you or like what are some of the mindset things that you have when you do get into a space where like you're kind of going down a hole of like cyclical thinking or just like having those thoughts. Like are there things that you found helpful? Definitely, definitely. Um, So to kind of give like a real life example of this, literally – I would say like a week ago or a week and a half ago, I was so, so, so stressed because my mind was like reeling around this decision. And the decision was, should I reach out again to a trainer that I've worked with previously? And the reason why this decision was so mind numbingly difficult for me was because I didn't leave that trainer like voluntarily I was dismissed from her program and I was dismissed because I really I really liked the training aspect of it and the strengthening and stuff um but this person wanted me to do her nutrition program you know but and I did the nutrition program for a while but and I've talked about this before I think on like the food podcast the food episode of this podcast Um, and I got to a point though, where I was having a lot of like stress specifically around food and cooking and mealtime, which I've never had before. And I realized like, I think these are like some disordered eating patterns and I don't want that for myself. I don't want to like get deeper into that. So I talked to the person, I established that boundary. Um, they tried to go back and forth with me to kind of like convince me to still keep doing it. And once I really put my foot down and I said, no, I do not want to do that aspect of the program. I just want to continue with, with training and pain management. They dismissed me for the program. So it was really honestly traumatic because it didn't go down in like a friendly way. This person was like yelling at me. It was like very out of what I thought out of character for the person. I don't know. Um, but it was like really strange and um and then they dismissed me and like they were basically saying just a lot of things that were like gaslighting and making me feel like I was the crazy one for not wanting to go through the program um which was super confusing (laughs) and so anyway I've always held a lot of like resentment for that because I just felt abandoned when I really needed help. I just felt like, you know, here's this person who has this great skill set that has helped me to get through pain and to, to bounce back from injuries. And like, it's been great. And now I'm just 
completely cut off with that. I have no other, I have no idea where to go for other options. Um, because their work was like leagues beyond physical therapy. And so I didn't want to just go back to physical therapy anyway. Um, so that's why, like, I was so much, I was in so much stress a few weeks ago. I was like, do I reach back out to them? I was terrified too, because like, if they just said no, then what do I do? That option's gone forever. If they say yes, then it's like, well, how do I communicate my boundaries around food? Like, is it going to be bad again? Like, is it going to be scary and intimidating again? Like, I don't want that. So I was like so terrified. And one day I went back and I reread the text, the last text that they had sent me that dismissed me from the program. And I hadn't done this in like probably over a year. And I reread it and everything came flooding back. All the reasons why I decided like, this is terrible for me. I don't want to do this. And in that moment I was like, oh, okay, this isn't even a decision anymore. I flat out do not want to go back to this person, period, end of story. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And just letting go of that decision, literally the next day, I had so much less tension in my shoulders and my neck. I can't even tell you. It was like a quarter of what I had experienced the previous day. Just by letting go of that like emotional, uh, emotionally draining thought process or decision making or whatever. And of course, that just reinforced what I already know of how strong the mind-body connection is. And if I'm mentally stressed, I'm physically stressed. And I was like, okay, I need to like try and double down on this <laughs> and how I can manage this. And so um, some other strategies I've been incorporating lately are meditation, hypnotherapy, um, emotional freedom technique, or tapping. Um, and these are all strategies I'm working on with... Um, my my coach um and we're we're essentially focusing on like um easing the mind body connection and working through some of these um emotional challenges um and then by doing that i'm also addressing a lot of the tension that's going into my muscles and so and that's like the the final puzzle piece that i wasn't really able to focus on the past several months because like you know during the pandemic and stuff I tried doing online therapy with like better help and stuff and I think I just didn't click with the therapist and I don't think that they had the skill set that I needed for chronic pain management um and so working with this coach who I already know from from the past um she's amazing and she understands she totally gets it and so she's able to offer like really specific help for me um, so literally just within like the past week and a half, things have really changed um, positively. Um, so those are some really key tools where like when I'm in a moment of high, high stress, really like carving out time for myself and meditating or laying down um, and like really deeply breathing. It sounds too simple to be true but it really, really, really makes a big difference. If you don't do it and you continue to push yourself all day long and you continue to stress and heighten your cortisol levels and just go through the day when you're already in pain, as opposed to slowing down and taking a break, um, it's, it's a world of difference. And so, um, and there's a lot of little things like that that add up with chronic pain management where it's like, if you do this 
this extra little thing, who knows? It can really make a big difference. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's it's good to at least try personally. Um, so yeah, those are like a couple of the tools I use, but, um, and we can get into more later because I have a bunch written down, but hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about um, when I've, um, not that this is similar at all, but when I've thought about like what's helped me in the past with my own struggles with my cycles, mm-hmm. I can't really. But it is talk- similar. It is similar. I think it's, you know, it's not the same. I hear what you're saying. It's not exactly the same as like pain, but not to cut you off, <laughs> but no, yeah, okay. but like stress can absolutely impact cycles, like yeah. for sure. So I just wanted to like validate that for you. Okay, continue. <laughs> um totally I think stress and stress and the impact that it has on our bodies cannot be ignored and I've definitely seen that firsthand for myself and also if I think about like what's helped me in the past like what's helped regulate my cycles I can't really put my finger on one thing like I don't think there's a magic bullet for cycles and I can't imagine there's a magic bullet for chronic pain either um that it's like a combination of a whole bunch of different things and then when it finally does get better it's not like one thing that fixed it all quote unquote but a combination like a menu of different options that have all kind of worked together as part of this like wider puzzle (laughs) Um, I'm bringing in too many analogies, uh, many puzzles. I love Um, that. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? It's just like hard to pinpoint one thing. And at the same time, all of these things play a part and eventually making things more manageable day to day. Absolutely. Um, I was listening to this podcast the other day about the mental side of pain management and the person was saying like, it being in chronic pain makes it kind of turns you into an expert on self-care because you have no other choice. (laughs) And I think it's the same for, I think it's the same for dealing with cycle irregularities. It's like, you have no, what else are you going to do besides try, try things and try to, to manage things. Um, because otherwise your body is just in a state of imbalance and it's hard. Um, to just live like that. Um, and yeah, it's like we do these things because we have to. And I, I actually really like what you said before about like having like a menu of options because truly it's not as simple as like, oh, just go to physical therapy. Like yeah. you'll be fine in, in like a th- in like two weeks. Yeah. No, it's never as simple as that. Like I literally have a whole list right here of like modifications yeah, I've us, made. Tell us like what, yeah, yeah. Tell us what your day to day looks like or like what types of things. Like I know a couple and I've mm-hmm. learned so much from us doing this together um, because I do, like, I do start to have a sense of like some of the modifications that you make. And that also give me permission to like ask for what I need when you are asking for what you need.
So um, tell the listeners what types of things you do to like be able to do your work. Yeah. So in terms of working, I think a few things that are super important are schedule modifications, energy related boundaries, and desk modifications. So to get like real practical, what that looks like is for my desk when I'm working, I have a standing desk um, from Vera Desk, or I think the company is actually called Vary now, um, V-A-R-I, but they make standing desks, laptop stands, and things like that. And so what I do is sometimes I use it and I stand up to work at my desk, but actually lately I've just been sitting down and then I put it up kind of like a quarter of the way so that my laptop is like at eye level as opposed to looking down at my laptop. And again, seems like a simple, quick fix. You could also accomplish this as well with just like putting your laptop in like a stack of books um, that are stable or um, I don't know, anything else that's stable that you can put a laptop or a desktop on. Um, Having it though at eye level, it just kind of creates better posture so you're not constantly looking down and straining your neck to look down. Um, I also have a Bluetooth keyboard that's wireless and um, a mouse as well. And so literally what I'll do is I'll actually be back from my desk with my keyboard like on my legs so that I'm not having to have it up here and I'm like hunching up to type on my desk. Um, And then, so like that simple modification has actually been like super valuable in helping my posture and reducing um, tension just related to like how I'm sitting. Um, In terms of schedule modifications, this has been a journey because I don't think that this is something that I probably could have done at the, at the time that I was starting my business. But I mean, I would have had to, I guess, if I had been experiencing this pain. It's like, again, I wouldn't have had a choice. <laughs> but um, for me, what it looks like right now is Monday and Wednesday afternoons are the only time that I have meetings with people aside from this like um, podcast recording. And that way I'm able to, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm able to go hiking, sleep more, go to appointments, like for physical therapy. And um, so, and I'm also able to get back to clients with like Voxer, which is, I'm basically doing like voice messages on my phone back to clients. Um, And so Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm still doing things. I'm still active. I'm still working, but it's in a modified way. So I'm not glued to my desk in my chair for eight hours. I'm really, really flexible and I want myself to have that flexibility throughout the day. So I might be laying down in bed with a heating pad and answering voice messages. And that still is working. That still counts as working. Um, And then in terms of energy boundaries, that can look like a few things. So like one energy boundary is the boundary that you and I actually put out every single week at the end of our our podcast. And we say, hey, you know, we can't give advice um, to people who aren't clients um, if they're asking for specific charting advice. And that's also a boundary that I implement in my business on Instagram or when people are reaching out to me, if they have a really specific question, I will just refer them to this Instagram post they already have up. 
um, that basically just explains like, hey, um, you know, and and they don't, I'm sure that they don't realize this when they ask a question like this. They probably don't know that they're asking for actually like free unpaid labor on my part. Um, and so the post that I share with them, it's like have to educate them like, hey, this is actually unpaid labor, so I can't do it for this reason. And also, um, you know, I just, I don't have the bandwidth to be answering all these questions from people who aren't paying me for my work and my time because I am a business owner. <laughs> and although I'm passionate about fam, I still deserve to be paid for my work. Um, and so those are some energy boundaries that I have. And then I also want to mention just some some simple tools, but ones that I use like probably almost daily. So um, a heating pad. This is something that you can get at like CVS. You can get it online. It's literally, I don't know, um, I don't know, 11 inches by like 16 inches or something. It's just a pad. And connects to a wire, you plug it in, you can turn it up on the settings. And it really helps me to like lay down on it or sit against it or have it on me because the heat just really, really helps to decrease tension. Um, and I use that on my low back. I use that um, on my neck sometimes on my shoulders. Um, pillows under my knees when I'm laying down, that is really, really huge. And again, so, so simple. Um, people can use pillows, they can use a pile of blankets, um, whatever you have, just make kind of like a mound and then you can rest your, your legs and um, with that stuff underneath your knees. And it just helps to release tension from the low back as well while you're laying down. And that's literally how I go to sleep every night. I sleep in my back usually with um, a couple pillows under my legs. Um, and then also um, I often wear what's called rock tape. And I'm just going to turn around and show now on the Zoom meeting. Um, but rock tape is this um, kinesthetic tape, and it's fairly firm. So I think some kinesthetic tapes have, like, more stretch to them. But with rock tape, it's actually quite firm. And you basically uh, you either apply it yourself or you have someone else apply it um, in certain patterns on your skin. And this the rock tape, its job is to provide very light input and feedback to your skin um, because your connective tissue and your skin, they both um, are very receptive to that type of light feedback. Um, and it can really, really help to reduce tension because like the way I like to explain it is like rather than constantly feeling tension, I can stretch a little bit and feel the input from the rock tape instead. And so it's just like a different type of input for that area of my body that isn't pain or tension. <laughs> um, so it's really simple, really great. I just bought a roll of it from the physical therapy place yesterday for like 18 bucks. Um, and you can learn about it online. Um, there's some YouTube tutorials about how to put it on and stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, those are a couple of the tools I use. And then also with physical therapy at home, I use, um, specifically a jade yoga mat because it's made, I think of like, I think it's all natural rubber, I want to say. Um, but I've had it for years, very grippy, very high quality, um, and it lasts a very long time. So I, I prefer to invest in like one tool that'll last me a while as opposed to like a, 
um, a cheaper one that might wear out faster or break. And then I also use a foam roller. Um, and I use one that's like kind of on the soft, um, the softer end. And I think people, when they think of foam rolling, like it's literally, how can I describe it? It's literally like a big cylinder, a long cylinder made of this dense, thick foam that you roll, you roll over certain points of your body. So like if I want to, um, roll my, my glutes or my legs, I'll literally like sit on it and then you just kind of like rock back and forth a little bit. Um, and sometimes people think that like the harder the foam roller, the more effective it is, but like, no, <laughs> you you don't need to like pound into your muscles in order to like break up the tension. Sometimes just some light foam rolling on a soft roller can be really effective. Um, and then I also just use resistance bands sometimes when I'm doing physical therapy at home. Um, again, especially with COVID, I don't really have access to like a full-on gym. Um, and so I don't really have like weights at home, um, which I would honestly prefer, but the resistance bands do offer like a good intermediary. Um, so yeah, those are just some of the tools I use literally every single day. <laughs> um, and then also like even on Instagram, you can do voice messages too, by the way. It's not just for Voxer, um, but that's something that I often do to save myself having to like stand and like hold my phone, and, like look down and type the whole thing. Um, I'll often just hold it as I'm walking, press the voice record button, and, and then just send people voice messages that way. Um, and people and I, really like voice memos too. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like it's more human. It yeah. is more... Um, you know, creates more of a connection, a personal connection, um, mm -hmm. to hear someone's voice. So I like doing that for, a, you know, many different reasons. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that, Megan. I think, um, it just goes to show how like embedded this is in your life and like how important it is and just like how, um, Something else that I was thinking about, too, is just, like, how challenging this would be, too, if you were working a conventional job, like, being able to, another really great weight reason for working for yourself, and, like, yeah. maybe even a necessity, yeah. is that you can make a lot of these modifications so that you're able to keep doing what you love, um, and while it still might be really hard, I'm sure, sometimes... Um, you're able to like adjust things um, for your pain. Yeah. As you're saying, like conventional job, I literally like was like rolling my eyes because that's chronic pain is one of the reasons why I left my old job because yeah. at the time my back, my low back was like a lot worse off and um, it was just very weak. I was compensating a lot with other areas of my body and I was just sitting at this desk for like six to eight hours a day. And, and also that job was just like very, very stressful for me mm -hmm. um, because I'm an introvert and it really requ required me to do a ton of like in-person yeah. interaction with like strangers and volunteers and stuff, which like I liked up to a point, but it was mm -hmm. just very like energetically draining. Um so yeah, one of the reasons why I left that job was because of my back and I just, I was like, you know what, with working for myself, yeah, it's going to have like a ton of new challenges, but 
at least I'll be able to be the one who's in, in control of my sleep schedule, my work hours, and then how I'm working. Um, so that was actually like, it was huge. It, it was a huge reason why I came into, you know, becoming a FAM instructor because I realized I could make my business how I wanted it to be. Um, one thing that you posted recently, Nat, you were sharing some stories, I think, that were saying like your business revolves around your life your life does not revolve around your business. And it's so true. <laughs> Such a simple sentiment, but like really so true. We, we have the, the ability as business owners, like to not fall into hustle culture and like your business controlling every aspect of your life and your identity. You're a whole human that's complex and you have other priorities. And as much as we love this work, um, it's healthy to have other, you know, areas of life to balance things out. And so I just love that you're sharing that. Yeah, I think too, like, um, this is a side note, but Matt went back to work last week. So we've been home for however long since March, since he came back from a trip and he's back at work, like, um, pretty much every day. And so I've been having like a lot of these thoughts of like, I, I don't sit down at my desk for eight hours a day and work like I did at my day job. I don't go somewhere five days a week, sit down, have my lunch break, finish at 5 p.m. I don't do that. I work like <laughs> the other night I was working till like 1130 in my I bed. I saw that. I saw I should that not, I should not have been doing that. Like, I don't normally do that, but I was just feeling really creative and, like, really into it. And I was, like, in my little zone. It was doing, I was doing something I wanted to do. It wasn't, like, answering emails or anything like that. But I was, like, Nat, like, you're not working nine to five Monday to Friday, but you are working all the time. Like, you are posting Instagram stories. You are thinking of creative ideas, you're, you know, like working late, putting these ideas into motion. Like there's all of these other ways that we can work that aren't like the conventional way of working. And I think like part of me was like doubting myself this week. Cause I was like, Matt's gone all day long. Like what am I doing all day? Like <laughs> The other day I was like working from the backyard and like doing some reading and some like homework for my course. And then also doing a little bit of work for my business but like, I just, I'm like, so I believe in that idea so much that our, um, our lives do really revolve. Um, no, our business revolves around us, <laughs> that our business should nourish us. And that whole idea is from Jen Carrington. Um, and her, she has a podcast letters from a hopeful creative. Um, and Jen also has struggles with chronic pain as well. Mm -hmm. And so she talks a lot about how to, yeah, like how to make your business nourish you, how to not be, uh, like chained to your business 24 seven, doing the hustle culture, that kind of stuff. So do you want to chat a little bit because we promised, that you would talk a little bit about the medical cannabis journey. And I saw yeah. that you posted this week that you finally, which, like you finally submitted the application on a website that looks like it's from the <laughs> 90s. 
Yes. You weren't joking. No. Because when I saw the screenshot, I was like, what? How do these websites still exist? <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it was funny. I thought. It's, it's really funny. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> the website I submitted on, it's like big block font at the top and just like the worst contrasting colors and just like huge red text to tell you like you just submitted this application it's like the the page seems like it's like yelling at you and you're like i just pressed a button like what do you want <laughs> and there i just feel like so many government websites are like that and like why i feel like it's not hard just like take no. a course in design understand the basics like I don't get it. I really don't understand. So anyway, <laughs> um, so to take listeners on the journey of me applying for this medical cannabis card, um, the idea came to me because I have always said for my chronic pain, I never want to rely on opioids ever. I never want to do injections or surgeries. And I also don't like having to take over-the-counter pain medications because they can really do a number on your stomach lining and your gut microbiome, two things that like are part of your body and they're important. <laughs> you don't want to mess with them. Um, and so I was trying to seek out like other resources for pain management and I'm just doing all these things like, you know, physical therapy and like massage and manual therapy and rock tape and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I wanted to just have another tool in my toolbox to help manage when the pain got like really intense. So I was like, okay, I'm going to apply for a medical cannabis card because in Connecticut or the state where I live, it's, it's legal to do that. Um, and I also know of a local dispensary that's like really excellent, really cool people, just excellent. So what I did was I messaged them on Instagram and I was like, hey, like, do you know, like, what is the first step in someone applying? And they were incredible. They immediately got back to me and they're like, hey, go to this, this, um, this group. They have clinicians who can like certify you. So they told me about a place called Canna Health. Um, as in like cannabis health in Connecticut, they have a bunch of different branches and because of COVID, um, they're doing like telehealth consults. Um, and so I scheduled a consult prior to the consult. And like, I want to kind of go through the specific steps just for anyone who's curious. Cause like, I know I would have liked to know about this before I applied. Um, so prior to the consult, they required me to submit documentation about my chronic pain. And I was like, what does that mean? And basically what they needed is, um, I had my, my primary care doctor, who's a naturopathic doctor. She simply submitted a letter that said, you know, Megan McNamara, here's her birth date. She's been experiencing chronic pain since January and it's not responsive to physical therapy. Um, and that is like one of the criteria that's like approved in Connecticut for a card. Um, so there's specific conditions that are approved for cards. Um, it ranges from like PTSD, 
um, to chronic pain that exceeds six months that's not responsive to physical therapy. I think under that category, other things like endometriosis and um, adenomyosis would also fall into that as well. Um, Because obviously that's that can be chronic pain that extends past that time. Um, And so there's also other things like back injuries, like nerve damage, like just a lot of different things. Um, And so I also had my physical therapy office submit a lot of documentation. So it was specifically like my eval forms. There were like all these pages with like percentages all over them. It was very official. (laughs) And um, so they submitted that documentation. I then had the meeting, I scheduled a meeting with this clinician um, where we just kind of talked about like, how is the pain affecting my life? What have I tried? You know, how long has this been going on? Just some basic questions about it. It was very, the meeting itself was like totally fine. However, in the middle of this meeting, a tropical storm was coming through Connecticut and here we go again, <laughs> the tropical storm. Um, so this tropical storm was happening literally halfway through my meeting. Um, it was going great, but then it, you know, her power got cut off and she was kicked out of the meeting. You know, shortly thereafter, a tree fell in my backyard. Then my power went out. Trees all over my neighborhood were down. Didn't I didn't have power for four days. We didn't have internet for six days. And so that just kicked off like a bunch of like difficulties communicating and keeping the ball rolling with this, with Canna Health. Um, And they're really doing their best, but like, I just didn't have any access to like that communication. Um, So then I connected with them and they were like, okay, we submitted it on our end. And then in Connecticut, they, this organization from the state called, um, no, it's called the DCP. I don't know what it stands for. Department of something or other. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they email you. You have to set up this account. I set up the account. Um, I created a login. I did all the steps. And then you get to like step three and it's requiring your birth date and your email. I put it in correctly and it's saying patient record not found. And I was like, what the hell? And I told the person from Canna Health and they're like, patient record not found. That like never happens. We've never heard of that error. And I was like, what? Like, of course, like the one thing that's never happened (laughs) would happen to me. Why? And so, um, so then they're like, you're going to have to email the state. And I was like, oh God. And you try calling the state and their, their robot menu is, is half, like they have never changed it. And then half someone saying like, well, COVID is happening. You have to email us at this email. So it's very confusing. Cause you're like, I don't know, should I leave a message? Or is that just never going to get checked ever? Um, or should I just email them? So I was emailing them like twice a day for days. They weren't getting back to me. I was in touch with this person from Canna Health who was incredible, like literally like texting her back and forth. That was the level of like personal service that she was committed to. And I was like sending her screenshots of like the error messages and stuff. And so finally she, she was also emailing them too, because I think, you know, she was like more official than I am. And so, and I, all of our emails were marked like urgent, like, please respond, like very serious and stuff. Um, And I also had contacted the local dispensary again as well. 
and I talked to the guy, such a cool guy. He's like the pharmacist who works there. So cool. Um, I don't, I won't say his name, but he's just, just a very down to earth, cool guy. And he was saying like his advice to me, he's like, yeah, my advice to you would be to like lightly harass the state <laughs> until they get back to you. And I was like, okay. So that's why I just kept like emailing them. And then finally they got back to me and they're like, okay, your birth date has been updated. Like try, re- try reapplying. And finally I was able to like submit my, or like, you know, check off the my information was, was correct. And then you also have to submit a form of ID. So like a picture of your ID or like a passport or something. And then you also have to submit documentation of your residency. So like a letter to your home um, and things like that. So I submitted those two things you know, press submit. And that's where I currently am right now. So I have submitted the online application. So like my clinician has approved me and now I have to apply to the actual state. And I mean, from my understanding, it's like, you're going to get approved. You just have to like formally do it. Um, so from there, they're supposed to send you a temporary card via email within like five to 30 business days. Um, I think it's been like four days or something. So I'm waiting on that. Um, And so hopefully once you get the temporary card, then you make an appointment with your local dispensary. You meet with a pharmacist there and they're the ones who actually like walk you through setting up like a program for yourself. So you're allowed a certain amount of cannabis each month. And um, when you go to the dispensary, um, you can you can like order stuff online and they'll have it ready for you um, because of COVID. But also they just have a bunch of different stuff. Like they have like edibles, they have um, things like cookies, honey, hot chocolate, crackers, like just a bunch of different edibles that are, that have cannabis in them. Um, And then of course you could also just get like straight up like weed. (laughs) I don't know how else to term it. (laughs) You can just get it straight up and like smoke it. I don't, I don't smoke. I don't want really to do that. I'd rather just go with the edibles and stuff. Um, but we'll see. So that's where I am now. Um, I'm really hopeful that I'll get the temporary card soon. I can make the appointment. Um, and then I can actually start to like utilize the tool. Um, so yeah, that's my saga. I hope that helps everyone. Basically at the end of the day, the biggest thing is like, check your state to see what the approved conditions are, check their website from the 90s to see like (laughs) how you can apply or try contacting your local dispensary to ask them Um, and then just kind of like follow the steps that that your state gives you. Um, It's, I I think it would have been a lot easier if that random error had never happened. Um, I think I would have been a lot further along in the process because that caused a delay of like two or three weeks. Um, but yeah, I think it's supposed to be like a pretty quick process, but depending how it goes, it can take longer. So that's in my <laughs> spiel. A storm that, that comes through halfway through your meeting. That definitely doesn't help. Right, right. <laughs> Try to avoid a tropical storm. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Megan. Um, I'm really glad that you walked us through that process because I was once working with a client who had really debilitating endometriosis. And I think that um, for a lot of people, I mean, taking over-the-counter pain 
meds is like a a quality of life thing right like where you where you need that to be able to function right um but I think a lot of times we don't think of cannabis as like another type of pain reliever that has Mm -hmm. less uh potential negative side effects Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of research around um especially for I haven't done I haven't dove into a lot of the research and maybe this is something we could have someone come on the podcast to talk about but mm-hmm. um women like the female uh reproductive system is extremely receptive to um like the receptors are receptive to cannabis mm-hmm. and um I think it can be a really like it can be a real game changer is what I'm trying to say for people who've tried everything um, or who maybe don't want to rely as much on um, traditional pain meds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's really amazing that that's an option. Like I think just having, like you said, more tools in the toolbox, more options to just kind of like improve your quality of life like that's so important and I think like having access to that is also really important too so thanks for walking us through and I'll be curious to see kind of like if that helps you be even like be able to work more or like do more of the things that you want to do right if you're Mm -hmm. like and and also like if it helps reduce your stress because you're experiencing less pain like all of those things Mm -hmm. that will hopefully help work towards like managing that so I'll yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll kind of all work together like syner- synergistically to um either, you know, release tension in the body like physically and help with that or help with with just stress levels because yeah, and I I really just want to stress that like it's another tool in the toolbox. I think sometimes with people their perception of like when people require pain medication or medical marijuana or cannabis, um, I think they have a perception that like, oh, you're just like on meds or whatever. And it's like, no, like I'm actually doing like 50 things to help with pain Mm -hmm. management. And this just happens to be number 48 that I've tried, you know? And it's like, it's another tool in the toolbox that I'm hoping that you know, it's not something that I've like tried before regularly. I've tried an edible when I was like traveling once to Colorado and stuff. And like, I've tried them here and there, but that's not like medical grade stuff that I've tried per se. And so, um, so yeah, um, I'm just, I'm hoping that it'll kind of just take the edge off, I think. And, um, at least be be a resource whether for this current injury or for the future I mean who knows like with my back I think things have been way way better with my back for the last past several years and I'm planning on keeping it that way as best I can but you never know it's like I might have another flare-up with that and you know medical cannabis would really be helpful for that I think so so yeah I'm hoping that all of that will kind of come together um I also wanted to talk about how, um, or wait, maybe you should ask this as a question. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of getting off on a tangent. I wonder if we're on the same train of thought, because I was just going to ask you, I really want to 
hear about how this impacts your charting. Is that what you're going to say? Yes, that is okay. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I want to bring it back to fam and I want to bring it back. I know like one of the things that we talked about, um, we talked about before is that like charting for you has opened up and being a part of the fertility awareness method of birth control Facebook group has opened up um, some opportunities for you for dealing with your chronic pain in the first place, which is a really cool way to like get into the world of fam. Um, so maybe you can talk about that. And also like, how does your pain um, impact your charting or like, how can you still like maybe people who don't know about fam think that it's like impossible to do fam and deal with chronic pain like how are you able to do both because you are obviously using fam you still chart and you experience chronic pain so how does that all fit together yeah so I think in terms of charting it fits together in my day because I've really like streamlined the process for myself so I'm very attentive to cervical mucus and like usually what will happen is I'll wake up you know, I'll spend like three minutes obtaining my temperature. That biomarker is checked off for the day. Then I'll go to the bathroom and start to check for cervical mucus. And, you know, oftentimes I will just get a sample of ES mucus first thing in the morning. And then I'm like, okay, that's going to be the most, like that's the most fertile possibility for the whole day. So I know that today is already an e-mucus day. So I'm just going to mark it as such. And then that biomarker is then checked off my list. And then on days when I need to either do LH testing or prove testing for progesterone testing, um, typically that's something that I can get out of the way in either, either at the first bathroom break um, or, you know, a couple breaks into the day. So like cumulatively each day, charting typically only takes me a total of like maybe 10 minutes throughout the whole entire day. But I've gotten to that point because along the way, I definitely put in the energy to learn how to chart accurately so that I know one way or another whether I'm fertile or not. And it's like by putting in all of the research and attention and detail up front, I've made it so easy for myself where I am now. So for me, charting is always like it's definitely not a burden whatsoever it's very simple it takes a quick amount of time um it's it takes way less time let's just say than me doing physical therapy which is takes like literally like an, an hour at, you know at minimum each and every day <laughs> um so charting is like nothing compared to that and so charting is also helpful because I keep track of like what symptoms I'm having so I have a different custom data point for neck tension shoulder tension, back pain, you know, restless sleep, short sleep, um, uh, stress, uh, mood changes as it, again, re relates to chronic pain. And so everything I'm charting, not only am I keeping track of my fertility biomarkers and my hormonal health, but also I'm seeing, you know, does my back pain um, relate to my periods. And I found over time that like, yeah, it often gets a little bit worse the day or two, like, like the day before my period and then like on cycle day one, usually. That's a pattern that I didn't really know before until I charted that for several cycles. Um, and now I've observed that. With my, my neck and shoulders, 
I haven't found as great of a correlation between that and my cycle um, as with stress. So, but it's like by charting it, I've come to that conclusion, right? And so it's just a, a bank of data for me to keep track of these things. Um, and just by having that data, it then just informs me about, about like how I can work to manage those symptoms. Um, now, one area that I really actually wanted to talk about was the area of how this impacts sex. And I think on the podcast before, you know, we've kind of talked about sex like in general and like, but I would honestly love to like get into detail about it a little bit because like one thing I've been trying to do more of in 2020 is be more open about that aspect. Um, because as a fam educator, I just, I want to be more comfortable in talking about those things. Um, and, and so as it relates to chronic pain, like one thing that's been frustrating for me lately with my neck is like, I'm not able to give blowjobs the way I want to. <laughs> and for me, it's frustrating because like, I really like doing that a lot and it's an aspect of like non-PIV sex that I really love and enjoy. And so not being able to do that has been like frustrating because, um, you know, it's for me this big aspect of it. And I've been trying to figure out ways to like modify that. Like if I'm like laying down a certain way or in a certain position, like that might make it easier. Um, but it's still kind of been tough and I'm still working on that. Um, other things that have made sex easier um, for me and my, my partner at least is like laying on like my back as opposed to it just doing that takes so much tension away. Um, and it just helps me to like tune in more. Um, and so by doing that, it's able to open up opportunities for like, other things um and kind of take the the stress off of like moving around and like changing positions and stuff like that and it's it's just been hard i think to like cuz i think with with chronic pain no one really or at least most people i don't think they don't think about how that impacts your sex life and like it's usually all like okay how is this impacting your work or like how is this impacting like your travel or whatever and it's like, yeah, but also, you know, having intimacy with your partner is like really important. And that's a big part of a relationship oftentimes. Um, and so that's been one of the things that honestly, I think has been the most frustrating. Um, and it's really contributed to like some of my feelings of like depression around my chronic pain. Cause it's like, I can handle the issues with work, you know, I can handle the issues with like travel and like those modifications and stuff. Um, but with sex, it's just a bit more, you know, it's not as easy to talk about because oftentimes people aren't as open about it, um, which I think just kind of creates like a bit of like a stigma on it. I don't know. So, and, and again, this is something that I'm still like working through in real time. So I don't really have all the answers. Um, but those are just some thoughts that I've been kind of having lately. Um, so we we definitely bring in things like other forms of non-PIV sex, um, mutual masturbation, um, using like pillows to kind of, um, you know, prop, you know, as kind of like props, and then also using toys as well to um, 
to to be like a modifier as well. Um, so yeah, those are just some some kind of thoughts I've been having lately, and hopefully some some tidbits that might be helpful for others in terms of the modifications. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Megan. And I think you're right. I think it can be so taboo. Um, and when we actually talk about it, it breaks that silence and you're able to like, the fact that you're able to say like, no, this is like what I'm really struggling with right now when it comes to pain. And that's not necessarily something that I would think of right away, but it makes so much sense. And like sex and intimacy is such an integral part of being a human. Like, of course, like, of course that would be hard. Right. And I think also just talking about like, talking about different types of sex and like how sex itself isn't just uh piv unprotected sex Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. sex is all of the wide range of ways that we can experience pleasure and intimacy um that i think like that's why i love talking about it with you and i love when you share about it because i think like expanding that conversation and that's something i try to do too when i'm teaching fam is to like expand what we think of as sex and um talking about it is a is like the only way that we're going to challenge those taboos so i really admire you and appreciate your openness about it because i I think it's really important um -hmm. and yeah i think just like going through the ways that you can track um and i think too like the practice of charting itself can be self-care like paying attention to how we feel in our whole bodies and like putting that on paper, putting that in an app can be so incredibly helpful because we have like a touch point or like we have context for how we're feeling every day. And just like sitting down to mark like all of your custom data trackers and like see where you are in your cycle and like see your ebbs and flows of energy. That is like a huge way that people can chart and you don't need to be using fam for birth control to do that. Like anybody can do that just like checking in every day and just like seeing how you're feeling and then like putting that down so you can look back on it and I think that's like the coolest part about bringing charting into this and I think that like um that can just be such valuable information for you basically Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah the sky's the limit too it's like I I chart in this way that I described above but people can people do stuff with charts that's so creative I can't even imagine it. And then I see their chart. I'm like, whoa, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, I encourage I love people. Seeing people's charts. Yeah. 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 Sharing your chart is so helpful, not only for, you know, the collective to help break the, the silence and to break the taboo about talking about things like sex and cervical mucus and, and menstruation mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but it's also showing people examples of how they can optimize their own charts and, Um, as it relates to chronic pain, it's like you get to be the one who decides what you want to keep track of. You can keep it super simple and just do the basic biomarkers, or you can add in all these things. And at the end of the day, you want to make it a tool that's easy for you to read, easy for, um, you know, maybe your partner to read, but ultimately it's for you and like your health data and your health record. Um, and so I, yeah, I just think that's really important. Um, another thing really quick I just wanted to touch upon is the way that FAM and the FAM community helps me to get a jump start on management, on managing my chronic pain. 
Um, at the time, years ago, I was, um, it was only like, I don't know, three or four years ago, so very recent still, and I was going through a lot of back issues, and um, this person had suggested neurokinetic therapy, and I was like, what is that? Let me look it up. And it enabled me to find that practitioner that I did work with for, I think, a year and a half or two years um, at first. And that established even more trust in my physical body. Um, I was already loving charting and loving that aspect of that relationship with my body, but learning to like trust that just because I have pain doesn't mean I can't you know, get past that or can't heal. Um, and learning to kind of tune into my body in that way was so, so powerful. And I just, I wanted to just highlight that because I never would have gotten to that place without the fam community. I just literally would never have thought to like actually go to a gym because I would have just been too afraid of injury. Um, but I, and I didn't realize that like strength coaches who specialize in chronic pain exist. Um, and they absolutely do. Um, and, and by the way, I will put as part of these show notes and I really encourage people to like actually check out the show notes. I know sometimes people are like, it's in the show notes and then people just ignore it. But like truly, if you're listening to this and you struggle with chronic pain, especially if it's due to past injuries or current injuries, please do check out the show notes. I'm going to list a bunch of, um, resources that you can check out. Um, that are really excellent starting places to to take next steps toward progress with this um, because I've been there. I believe me, I know the struggle um, and people, you know, you don't have to like stay in that place of pain. Um, there are resources to help you move through it. Awesome. That's, that's incredible. You have some listed here. So um, that'll be really helpful for people to kind of go through that and find some resources or just like places so that people don't feel as alone. Like when you were mm-hmm. saying before, like the only thing that was going to be helpful for me, like I can't have access to, like having that feeling is not a great place to be. And like, if right. there are like other people you can follow on Instagram or like podcasts that you can listen to where people are going through the same thing, sometimes that can be really helpful or like even support groups, like just having some kind of connection with people who are going through the same thing can be so helpful for like Mm -hmm. for all of the hard things in life right absolutely Um, so I wonder if maybe we can kind of close with you sharing some tips for people who have people in their lives who struggle with chronic pain like what are some things that are helpful for you or have been helpful or things to not do if someone <laughs> in your life is struggling with, with chronic pain? I love the other than things to not do because that didn't even occur to me. But as soon as you said it, I could picture like 10 things. Um, okay, so this is an excellent question. And I just want to do a shout out to my husband, Jesse, because he is like, I don't know how he's just so like naturally good at this. I wish he, like, could take his essence and, like, bottle it and, like, share it with other people. Um, but, like, he's he's been one of my biggest – probably my biggest supporter throughout all of this because, um, I mean, I've been with him for um, over – I think I think just about almost eight years. Um, yeah. 
And I've been struggling with pain for, let's see, has it been? Since, okay, I was 16 when it started. I'm 28 now. Is that 12 years? That's 12 years, I think. So I've been struggling with pain for 12 years. Um, but he's just so understanding. And um, I think one of the, a few of the biggest things that help me that he does is like, he just listens. He doesn't ever claim to have answers. And he's just such a great listening ear. And like the other day, for example, I was just having such a hard time. And I was like, literally like on the floor crying. And I was just so frustrated. And um, he just like sat there and like listened to me. And he just had a hand, you know, on me. So I could like, you know, feel him and touch him. And he would just lean down and like kiss me or like give me hugs. And he just let me keep talking for such a long time, which is what I needed. Um, and he just would say things like, you know, I totally hear you on that. That is really frustrating. Like, I love you. Um, just all these incredibly supportive statements where he was really listening to like my struggles. He wasn't making it about himself in any way. Um, and I think for me, like, he knows that my love language is, like, physical touch. So just being able to, like, hug and, and hold me throughout that was really important. Um, but ultimately, people can help their partners or their loved ones by just having that patient listening and being empathetic and not downplaying it and saying, like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, you're fine you know, you're just going to get past this. Like, you'll be fine. Like those types of statements, they can, they, it seems like it would be reassuring, but it actually can feel like belittling and like you're, and like what you're saying doesn't matter. Um, and it does. And so those, those moments have just been so helpful. And like, I just can't tell you how many times he's done stuff like that. Like, hundreds of times possibly. <laughs> so he's just incredibly patient and I'm very lucky to have him. Um, but other things people can do is research and educate them or educate themselves about the person's condition. So if you have a loved one who has endometriosis, get, you know, and research that and don't just stop at like the CDC page about endometriosis. Like search out resources, go on Instagram and search out different accounts for advocacy, look at people's stories on YouTube, like read research papers about it, understand the difference between different types of surgeries. Like you don't have to become like the expert, but at least be able to understand what people are communicating to you and have a framework for what they're talking about, regardless of whatever their condition is. Um, and then also be able and be there for people when they need help, whether that's, you know, because of physical reasons or mental reasons, like, you know, something as simple as Jesse washing the dishes after we've cooked dinner, like, that's not something that's easy for me, having to reach down and look down and strain my neck and my shoulders and my back in a sink washing dishes. But for him, he actually likes washing dishes. So like it works out great because there's that balance there. Or like at night after I've gotten comfortable and positioned in bed and I'm like ready to fall asleep and like the light is still on. Like it, it takes me so much energy to like 
get up and like turn off the light. But like, if I ask him like, Hey, can you switch out the light? I forgot to do it. I'll be like, Oh yeah, no problem. So just like little things like that, whether it's a simple two second thing or whether you need help being driven to an appointment or like help around the house or whatever, like it just goes so far because people who struggle with chronic pain, they, they simply don't have the energetic resources that people who don't have. Like people without chronic pain, you sort of have more wiggle room to push yourself throughout the day and to get through the day and do everything you need to do. People who do chronic pain or chronic conditions, it's like you have a limited amount of energy. You already have to spend like half of it on physical therapy and taking care of your physical and mental health. And then what's left, you then have to divide that between your priorities, like work or taking care of your pets or your kids or whatever it is. And so there's just not a lot at the end of the day to allocate to like chores and stuff like that. And so just having, you know, a bit of support there is, it just goes so far. Um, I just can't stress that enough. And I'm not saying that partners or loved ones have to become like a maid or like a servant around the house or something, but just like, you know, the little things that just make things easier um, are just really greatly appreciated. Um, so those are some of my thoughts on what to do. Um, and then in terms of what not to do, do not tell people that it's all in their head or that they're just anxious or whatever. Um, cause again, that can feel very belittling. Um, and just, I think that's just the biggest thing. That's just what keeps coming out of my mind because I keep it, I've experienced that time and time again with, especially with this round of, of, um, issues and it's just really frustrating. So don't do that. (laughs) Do what I said before. Don't do that. Um, so yeah, those are my biggest things I think so far. Um, and I guess we can kind of wrap up on that. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention, um, when it comes to chronic pain or your experience? I think, um, I think I'm just very grateful again that I have the ability to work the way I can and be flexible. Um, I'm really, really grateful to the people who support me, whether in my family or like online. Um, and I think if you're someone who's struggling with this, keep on trying different options because you never know what might click with you and your body. Um, for example, I was, I have been using like a TENS unit. I'm just going to show now on the video. I've been using this TENS unit um, for like a few weeks and I've been using it like constantly and it's been really helpful. Um, but then when I went to physical therapy or my, um, my training appoint, appointment, I mean, the other day, they put in this rock tape and like, honestly, there was simple rock tape that's on me 24 seven has been like weirdly an effective replacement even for the TENS unit. So it's like before I was carrying around this TENS unit all day, turning it on and off, you know, moving the electrodes all over my body. And like now I can just not do that because I have the rock tape on me and just there. (laughs) And so it's like you just never know when like a simple thing might really go far and might really help you. So keep on trying, keep reaching out for support um, keep on seeking out resources and, um, 
just know that you're you're truly not alone and um we're gonna put a bunch of resources in the show notes for you to check out that will hopefully be supportive of you all right so we have been getting some amazing listener stories um and just feedback from people so keep sending your stories or feedback or questions as long as they're not personal health questions to bodyliteracybabes at gmail.com um, we also uh, accept anchor audio voice memos. I think mm-hmm. you could also record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us. Yeah. And we can play that in the episode as well. So you could mm-hmm. do that. Um, and if you're going to send us a listener story, just include listener stories and a topic in the subject line of your email so that we can see that easily. Again, um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or share the episode with someone who might benefit. We'd love, if you're listening, if you tagged us uh, on Instagram. And Megan, where can people find you on the socials? I'm on Instagram at Fantastic Fertility. That's F-A-M, like Fertility Awareness Method. And I'm also on YouTube at Fantastic Fertility. And I'm on Instagram at Fertility Awareness Project and my website is fertilityawarenessproject.ca. Until next time, everyone, body literacy for everyone forever.